for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. All right, six-pack lap of that. Arian, Messi, Kamesi, and we got the Oliveras brothers, my friend. We got the Oliveras brothers. Pablo, Jesus, are, are uh, I was about to say in the building. Technically, we're all in four different buildings, but uh, <laughs> we're on the podcast nonetheless. Fellas, how are things going? Man, things oh, are pretty going good. pretty good. Hey man, Jesus. Nah, go. Me <laughs> <laughs> go first, bro. Go first. Go first. Go first. Yeah. I mean, things are going. Things are going well, man. Just, uh, I guess, a little bit of like personal update. You know, just wrapped up my two-year anniversary with my beloved. Um, work has been really good. Um, Flex has been doing good as usual, as expected. Um, our mom is doing a lot better. I don't know if. I think the last time we did a pod, I might have spoken a little bit just how she wasn't doing so well at the time but I mean like she's been doing a lot better now um back on her feet back to traveling how she likes to do um and just training has been going good too you know just I think I'm close to 100% now compared to when I was uh, at world you know so can't, can't really complain much what was the um issues because I don't know if we talked since world's um it's that you weren't 100 percent there yeah it was a. Uh, I never so at the moment i really don't have like i guess like medical insurance or anything and like obviously for a bunch of the international listeners like in the u.s you know it's kind of important to have insurance like that especially when you're going through things so it's like um i don't really i didn't i never received like a how do I say this, like a accurate diagnosis. It was just kind of go and feel, but it was just like a piriformis sciatic issue, like real, really uh, rooted deeply into like my nerves in my lower right back hip area. Um, I think like the first three weeks after I got hurt originally, it was very difficult to even walk around like, I was honestly thinking about just pulling out of world entirely because I didn't want to get worse. But I was able to salvage enough of a, I guess, like the last week of training to know, like, okay, like, even if I'm not at 100%, I can still go out and put something decent. Um, so, like, ended up going, got hurt worse after that third squat, but still managed to, you know, do just enough to win. You know, nothing spectacular you know it was just a gritty meet where I just had to make sure I didn't bomb out and finish as strongly as I could so but I mean like it was it was really humbling because I think rehabbing like literally the first I literally would go like plate by plate as the weeks went on so like the first week of squatting back like that shit was painful but I mean, if I could do a plate, I'm going to do a plate. And if next week I feel better, I'm going to do two plates. So, like, I'm a 1,000-pound squatter, so you can imagine how <laughs> going through weeks. it. It's like, yeah, starting back at, like, 135, you know, or, like, 200-pound range and just taking my time with it. You know, you just got to take your time with it. 
you got to hang in there. You got to keep your eyes on the prize and like look at the big picture and you just, you do what you need to when you need to. And then you just go little by little. Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. It's some people are like all or nothing, all or nothing, but the life actually isn't all or nothing. If you do all or nothing, then you're going to have huge stretches in life where you're doing nothing. You know what I mean? If you're not a hundred percent, rarely are you going to be a hundred percent. Sometimes you have to just take what's on the food, take what food is on the table right there, right then and there. And if that's a plate, two plates, whatever the hell you're getting some work done and it's better than not showing up at all. Get some freaking work done, but you're right. Compared to a thousand pounds, that must be incredibly humbling slash frustrating to be like, I just won the world championships all over again. And here I am with a plate aside. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun just because when you I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have heard me say, but I have like a love hate relationship with squats just because. Like when I start warming up for volume and I start like um, what's the word? I'm having mushy brain right now, but it's like squats isn't fun when you're hurting or you're tired because it's like when you have to do like 700, 800 pounds for reps, like. It's just very mentally taxing. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, like, if you want to be great at something, you have to be willing to do what you hate like you love it, you know? It, not all parts or aspects of the game are pretty, enjoyable, or glorified, you know? Some of the parts is you just got to work, you know? There's no way around it. You just literally find a way to make ends meet, and you just you do what you have to. And did these injuries you think contribute um, to like what you were able to do on the platform? And in what ways do you think it would have affected your open world's performance? Some of these injuries. I think I can think of two reasons. So one, it was affecting my confidence to hit depth. And then number two for deadlifts by that point, my like that right hip low back area was hurting so bad that it was just like directly impacting my ability to lock that side out. So now, and if you go back, like that's like the one side that is just a little bit behind, a little bit more soft than my left side. So it was just very like, I mean, I couldn't, obviously there wasn't anything we could do about it in the meantime. You know, I just mm. had to turn that side of my brain off, you know, that logical side and just, you know what, man, like, if we're going to leave here with this type of performance, then the least I can do is leave, try to leave everything I can on the platform. And that's what I did. You know, uh, we try to go for the Sheffield qualifying total on my last two deadlifts. And then um, obviously like strength was not an issue. Like I, it's funny. Cause like, I think I was hearing some hearsay that like, Oh man, like when he hops off his stuff, like you look, you look at the total drop off, but it's like, if I would have gone nine for nine, I still would have been around 1,080, 1,100 kg total. And that's like severely injured, like with a huge handicap, you know? So the strength wasn't an issue. It was just like getting over that like mental hump when you have like a particular part of your body, like just not working with you. It's just, it's like, you're literally fighting yourself at that point, you know, like your body's telling you like, stop. But then in those type of moments, like you can't really give yourself an opportunity to like show weakness or 
You know, you gotta, you literally just have to go out there with your guns blazing. And that was really all I wanted to do, you know, because I knew that if I did it, I was just going to look back at this performance and just be very ashamed of it. You know, I had to just literally pour my heart out, you know? It's, um, well, f- first off, it does help explain, uh, like at worlds where you could see you, you would lock out the dead and then it open up a little. And that makes sense now that you were fighting internal battles. That, and this is what, like we said several times, even that commentary sometimes, like you don't know what the lifter's going through. If someone's having some kind of, if you see something happening on the platform, it's like everybody's got background stories that you don't know what happened if certain lifters have to do crazy weight cuts or if they're injured. So now it makes sense where it lock and then open up a little bit <clears throat> on those deadlifts when you're trying to secure the Sheffield invite. Um and I'm not sure everybody even heard that. So at least there, boom, now people know. But also when you said people were saying, oh, see, this is him hopping off. Are you mean this is a PED accusation because that other people are doing? Because you've hit a, at PAE Nats, you hit freaking, uh, wasn't it 11, 11, 10? Yeah. Like, yeah. so, I mean, I mean, this is all drug tested, uh, like, and, and you've been to worlds before, et cetera. So anyone doing PED accusations isn't following your career. Yeah, man. Like everyone that I respect and talk to on a weekly basis or monthly basis, like, you know, it's just like at this point in the game, it's almost kind of ludicrous to even start accusing people because like there's money in untested and there's very little money in tested. You know, it's only recently with Sheffield on the horizon and then like the USAPL starting to put together like a little bit, but still it kind of pales in comparison. So it's like, I'm already good enough to win some of these untested meets where I'm at. And it's like, like the law, like the rationale isn't rational, you know? So it's like, I mean, but at this point in the game, you know, when you're doing what I'm doing, squatting a thousand pounds at the age of 24, benching close to six, pulling around nine, you know, like these are numbers that other individuals needed PDs to even get to that point, you know? So I can understand when you look at the best and the untested, who is on a shitload of gear to get to where they need to be. And then you look at little old me. You know, I can understand where people are like, oh, man, if so-and-so is doing this and they're older and blah, 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 then he has to do something. But that's not the case. You know, I've been drug tested at every meet. Um, the Waddle w- IPF could literally walk up to my door right now, interrupt this podcast for me to go piss in the cup, you know, that'd like, be amazing he, for this podcast. If they, would be, we, I fucking would hope they do. Be, <laughs> that would, we go viral, baby. Please let that happen. <laughs> yeah, that, That's why I'm literally drinking a pirate right now. You, that's never right. you stay ready. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a lot of things that these people don't take into account. And then it's like, you like, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I, I'm not really too upset about it just cause I, I've been around this long enough to understand that, you're always going to have people hyper analyze what you're doing. They're going to be too invested in your personal decisions. They're just going to be trying to pick at you and find something to make themselves feel better. 
And I mean, and that's, that's whatever, man. Like, I understand that. Like, I've been in that position, too, where I would look at someone and I'm like, mm, well, maybe. But then you kind of have to be a little realistic and be like, you know what? Let's give this person the benefit of the doubt. If this is what they're saying, this is what they're saying. And then we'll leave it at that. But, I mean, it's whatever, man. It doesn't really bother me anymore when I hear or receive accusations like that. Just because it's like, it doesn't really mean much to me when someone who doesn't know me personally is speaking on my behalf, you know, like they're not walking a day in my shoes. They're not my brother who I see every day, train with every day, you know, vent to have conversations with or my girlfriend, you know, who literally puts work into like my nutrition side of things and like taking care of my men, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, if you're not any of these people, like... Your opinion, your opinion in the big picture isn't even worth a penny to a dollar, you know? So it's like, you know, everyone's got something to say and it's basic human nature to want to be heard. So, Yeah, I mean, in terms of, um, you know, some people say these things and they're like, oh, consider it a compliment. And it's like, no, but it's not. Here's here's the thing. If, it, if you weren't in the tested division and you're just a dude, Sure. It'd be like, oh, I would have assumed you were on PEDs with how well you're performing. But the fact you were in a tested federation and competition, if someone says, I think you're on PEDs, now it's actually making an indictment on your character and your morals and your integrity. Mm -hmm. That's why it's not a compliment. That's why when people say this, like, no, it's not a compliment. It's actually you're accusing someone of having low morals and cheating and being a fraud. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why, no, that's not a compliment. When you make an accusation like this, it's not small. It should be taken quite seriously. Like people, I think, just throw this out there, not understanding the weight of the accusation. If the, if Jesus was not, if Pablo was not competing in just gym dudes and they're not competing, then yes, being like, well, I would assume he's on PEDs. Well, you're not accusing him of cheating. You're just saying if they're so superhuman strong, I don't know if it's capable of doing it, but if they're actually competing, you realize you're accusing these individuals of having low morals, low integrity and cheating. That's a fucking accusation, man. It's pretty big. Even if you're saying it behind closed doors, when you hop on a podcast or on social media or comments and say it, people should put more weight to it. I think. Cause it's big. Yeah. No, I, I do agree. You know, like when you're just saying things like, or at least that's just the way I was raised, you know? The way I was raised is if you don't have nothing nice to say, you don't say. Even more so if it's just hearsay because, like, the damage that you can do by painting an image of someone, it's just very childish, in my opinion, you know? So it's like every time I hop on a podcast or even every time I talk to somebody at the gym, you know, I have to remember, like... I'm not just a nobody. Like I have an obligation and a responsibility to be a role model, you know, to be a class act, an example for those who are trying to follow in my footsteps, you know, because there are kids, you know, that look up to me and I have like a younger sibling. I have a niece. I have a nephew. You know, I want every time that I hop on a podcast, every single time, that I'm asked to speak or people want to speak to me, I want them to carry a good impression because all that's going to relay to me is 
or to like like my mom. Every time that I have on the podcast, like the first person to call me anything is my mother, and she'll be like, "Son, like you're very well spoken. Like I'm I'm proud of the way you talk, the way you hold yourself, and the way you speak of other people." And like that to me, that matters, you know, because my mother didn't raise a hooligan. She didn't raise some lip, some loose lip, you know. It's like no, I'm a well-mannered young man because that is what my mother invested in me to become, you know. So like these are just things that I feel like a lot of people are missing out, and that's fine, you know. People can be who they want to be and how they want to be. Not us, though. Uh, now that yeah, not us, you, now that you said your mother listens to this podcast, I'm gonna try not to swear as much, and I'm gonna be all self conscious. She she will <laughs> really. <laughs> and this is this is funny you pointed out because uh, my sister called me the other day and yeah. my niece she had me on speaker and my niece hopped along and she was like, "Well, hey, dude, JJ, like I just want to let you know that I watch all your YouTube videos." On during uh-huh. lunch break, yeah, and then, then my sister was like, "You better not be watching the ones where they're swearing on." And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> this, right, there's nothing like hearing that. You're like, "Oh damn!" All of a sudden, you start replaying all the times you swore and you're yelling, yeah. Pablo. With with having, um, you know, I remember in 2021 World Championships in the warm up room in Sweden talking to your brother and. Um, and I mean, he did what he did as a junior at the one, the open worlds. And it was like a stacked class in the one twenty pluses. All these hall of famers were there, uh, multiple time world champions in the back. And I remember talking to Jesus being like, dude, you just beat however many former world champions, et cetera. What do you think's next? Who do you think's on the come up? And he's like, my brother's on the come up. And I gotta, I, and, and, I, and I gotta look behind me there. And I'm like, you like, you know, look at, I got a brother. We all talk about our brothers. You know, favorably, but then you arrive and I see you at PA Nats and you're already into the nine hundos, uh, kilo totals and, um, you're doing everything you're doing at a very young age and it now it's, it's, it's materializing. How did you get involved in powerlifting? And as Jesus's younger brother, your journey, there's pros and cons. So, A, how did you get involved? And B, tell me some of these pros and cons because your older brother is literally the apex predator in powerlifting. He is the number one guy, period. Uh, by the old formula, the oldest formula, it's called kilos. Okay, not IBF points, not good enough points, but whatever. Kilos, my friend. So, but on the flip side, it gives you some extra attention, some limelight, but it also gives you fucking extremely high standards. And, yeah. and, you know, so there's, there's both. So maybe what's it like? Tell, tell me how you got involved in, in bring me up the pace. All right. So it's funny because I didn't want to do powerlifting. I wanted just a gym, bro. I didn't even like deadlifting until <laughs> for a whole year. Hey, you started powerlifting a whole year before I did. And I'd be like, dude, why are you doing deadlifts? I'm like, let's do some power things <laughs> instead or something or some bicep curls. Yeah, it, fuck yeah. And I always had a drive like competitively into sports. And so like after high school, we took a like, hiatus. That's when he started powerlifting. And so it wasn't until I see him compete his first meet that it made me realize you know, there's no better feeling than being in a room full of competitors. You know, when you feel like there's pressure, when you feel like someone has more edge on you or someone can beat you or at any given moment, 
and it gives you an opportunity to showcase you just you can be better than everyone there. And I was handling Jesus, and I was like, man, I know I can do this. Like, I know I can do this. I need that drive in me because at that moment, I didn't know what to do. I was just going to college. And I was like, I need something to make me want to come back competitively. And I was like, what? Well, I'm going to do powerlifting. And so that's how we started. And I'm not going to lie to you, Ryan. Like, it was very, it was very tough because I saw Jesus and what he was doing. And the way I started, people like Amanda Lawrence was out, was out squatting me, you know, out deadlifting me. And it was frustrating through that beginning process. And it was hard to see the bigger picture. And I almost quit twice. I would walk out of the gym because I didn't think I was like good enough for it. And I would quit on myself. But I always knew in my back of my mind, like, I, I got to come back. I got to come back. Like, you have your spurt of emotions that'll get to you. But you remember, I can't just walk away and then you'll come back. And so, and, you know, that was it. Like, and I just fell in love and then having to learn that you need more patience and perseverance than like raw talent because perseverance and patience is going to take you further in the long run. And so that's pretty much it, man. Like, and I never looked back. I enjoyed it. And one of the pros and cons, I would say, a pro, it would be, you know, doing it with my brother every single day, competing, uh, pushing each other. And it's a good thing. I think um, it just it helps our relationship even better as brothers. You know, when we share a common goal, you know, when you have more than one person chasing the same dream, like who better not be than your brother to do it with you? And so that's like the main goal. And. That's hard to see the best school or the best pro. But one of the cons I would have to say uh, would have to be like, I don't know. Uh, I guess the same thing with mentals, man. I mean, you take anyone else in the top 10 in the super heavyweights, how are they going to respond training with Jesus every day? <laughs> you know, bad, right? you know what I'm saying? Like, encouraging at the same time. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's it's definitely a lot more mental than people really think about it. Like, yeah, like I was, you know, in the 500, 600s watching him go 800, 900. And now I've managed to kind of shorten the distance. And I highly doubt, I mean, any of these guys can really be like, you know what? I'm going to keep coming back every day and train with him because I think that's what we need. Like people like me and my brother or any of my siblings, like, we thrive in environments where people are just better and then we can just grow together, you know, but, and I guess and you, the, one of the other cons used to be uh, the, the weight change from like 500 <laughs> to 800, like taking all the plates <laughs> off. So I can probably say that it's not that much anymore. It's like a plate maybe. One played off. <laughs> that's okay. That's fair too. Who had to? I got a couple questions here, but who had to do the weight change? Did Jesus pull the old? Hey, listen, man. If it's for you, you got to strip it off. You got to, or was it each do a side? It was each do a side. Yeah, I think oh, we distribute nice. the workload pretty evenly. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Okay, I mean, look at I got an older brother, and sometimes your older brother's got your back, but he could also be tough on you, extra tough on you, more tough on you than he would, you know, a regular training partner. But that's the throw one of the uh, oh, bro, my back kind of hurts. Can you uh, <laughs> take care of it for me? He's like, I'm the champ, baby. Come on, protect the goods. I, I got to represent you. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's pretty good. I, I I rarely talk about it with anybody, but I do talk a lot about it with my brothers. Like, I think it's important. And I, I highly believe in just the mental side of it. Like, I, I doubt anyone can really come in and work out with Jesus and be like, damn, this is my competitor. Like, he's not just my brother. He's my competitor, you know, for me. But for others, it's like, damn, and can I keep up with him at all? Because I see him after I do my top sit. I'm like, okay, he's about to do 100 pounds more than me for one rep more. You know, the mental effect that that can have on anybody, it's like it could be detrimental or it can make you be like, I can do that one day. I definitely and, could see how there'd be a sorry, were you gonna go ahead? No, nah, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, okay. So um, I definitely could see how there'd be a big hump at the beginning where like the beginning would be for sure the hardest, where like your brother was just murdering it already. And the expectation levels of having the same last name, like everyone knows you're his brother. So then the expectation levels will be so high. And then, and Jesus wasn't like on podcast saying, look out for my brother, but we knew we, we were kind of looking out for you. So there's already some expectations a little bit like my, Jesus is your brother. He's still going to bump you up. So then you got some people like me who are like, fuck, let me pay attention to this kid. And you'd be like, man, I'm squatting what Amanda Lawrence is squatting. Like to your point where you said, you're like, holy smokes. It could be very discouraging where for some people, I, you know what, even for people without um, Jesus as their training partner, which will be humbling at, at that, there are a lot of people that are like, if I don't get good immediately, I'm not even going to try. If a lot of people are like this. They don't invest in themselves. And they're like, if I'm not good real quick, if I don't, if I'm not a quick starter, I'm out, man. I need it. I need it quickly. Very tough to stay in. And when oh, I, I, I don't top of that, you doing 500 pounds, working up to five, working up to 600, working up to whatever. And you're training with your brother, who's like a thousand pound squatter. And you're like, Frank, man, this is, am I going to get there? How quickly, how long, how long can I show up and be humbled? How long do I want to stay like this? Now, as it were, you've caught up pretty damn quickly, right? You're already in the 900 kilos, but still, you didn't know that at the time. I could see where you might be like, what am I sell setting myself up for? You know, or should I just find something else, start totally fresh? And that's just my thing. And I don't have to be compared and I could just work. There's something to be working in darkness and bringing what you have to light when you're ready to bring it to light. Then nobody sees it coming. And when you bring it to light, oh, wow. But you didn't have that, my friend. You had to, you were already in the line. People are already paying attention to you right off the bat. And you're like, fuck me, man. I'm a 120 plus squatting in the five hundos. Like you look back like, thank God this worked out for me. <laughs> you know, relatively yeah. quickly, right? Because it'd be tough, man. It'd be tough. Yeah. And... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, also, I can say without a doubt, you know, like I, I don't think I'm hard on Pablo, but I'm definitely in his ear, you know, throughout the training sessions. So I'm like, come on, bro, come on, because it can be very discouraging, you know. And like, and I can see that, but at the same time, there is a joy that I get from seeing flashes of Pablo, like figuring it out. And just like making improvements on my technique or if a weight is moving an RP faster, you know, because I'm also his coach, you know, so I'm, I'm his older brother. But we're a year and a half apart, right? 18 months exactly. We're 18 months apart. You know, we grew, we were raised as twins. And then somewhere along the line, you know, um, 
we were just having issues with our dad that kind of affected our relationship when we were children. And then growing up, it was like this rivalry because of our father. And then it's like, so it's like we have all these different components into the mix that we've had to overcome, that we've had to grow from. And then like now, you know, like me being in my position and then having Pablo like train together, you know, like I do his programming, you know, like we, I do some of his like technical stuff. And it's like being able to watch him go from struggling with a 500 pound squat to hitting 837, you know, at PA Junior Nets. It's like for moments like those, like there is nothing that I would trade that for because every single day that I see Pablo come in, like up until recently, I think this past week, probably the best week of training we've had in the last three months almost with Pablo. And it's like constant reassuring of, bro, like, come on, come on. Like, it's better. It gets better. Like, you just got to keep going. You got to keep going. Like, it's that sort of thing that just makes, you know, being brother to a man like Pablo, like, just such an amazing thing. Because I know when I started to talk about Pablo, I think Pablo had barely squatted, like, maybe low sevens by Sweden last year. What, what was your PR last October, Pablo? Like, like 750, right? seven, yeah. You know, yeah, like but 750. the reason why I've been harping on Pablo for so long is because I know exactly the form of tenacity that my brother brings. And I want him to beat me one day. And I know that is a hell of a tall order. It is a hell of a tall order, you know. I Some might even say impossible. But if it's one thing that I've learned is nothing is impossible, you know, especially when you have, like, God's hand literally over your life. So that's just – if any if anyone's, like, hard on Pablo, like, I, I would say it's me, you know, just because, like, I want him to beat me. Because once that happens, then I, I'm just going to, like, change a gear and just be like, all right, bro, like, you know, I'm going to just be – I'm going to be the Joey to your rest, essentially. So it's just – I just want to keep seeing him grow and develop because it's just been – like, it's crazy, Ryan. Like, when you think about it, it's like imagine if like you yourself had an 18-year-old brother, 18-month younger brother, and it's just like you have seen him grow. Like, your relationship developed, and it's just like, you know, like this, this man is literally my right-hand man, you know? Like if this guy has something to say, like if if I'm if I'm going through something, if my if my ego's getting a little too big, or if my head's in the mud, or if I don't know my left from the right, like I mean, if there's one man that's gonna be there right next to me, who's gonna help put me in whatever situation I need to be best, like it's this guy right there, you know, like this guy, you know, we confide in each other, and it's just it's a beautiful thing, man. I want to get some of your feedback there, Pablo, because there's some good stuff in there. Uh, well, first off, um, do you feel like you, you'll you be able to beat your brother in the future? Because he said that's his goal. I take it day by day, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's not, that's, a big, much, that's a big thing, I know. <laughs> as, uh, as easy as I would like, love it to come out of my mouth. I know how hard Jesus worked to be where he's at, you know. 
it's something very hard. Like even as myself, I know what it takes from seeing him and like training myself and being together. Like this is not something that it's easy to even like say. Mm. Uh, I think anyone in a super heavyweight that could confidently say like that, then they have no idea how hard they really have to work, you know, to be where Jesus is at, unless they take PEDs. And even then, can they even really accomplish that? And I'm very confident that I can work as hard as I can. And that's all I that's all I have. It's just how hard can I work? Because nothing is guaranteed. And I've I'm gonna just say I have confidence. I have, I'm pretty confident. Is it is it tough though? Because I mean, look at here we are. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier in terms of expectation levels on a young man who just started powerlifting. What the fuck? Nobody else would walk into a sport. They're like, the goal is you beat Jesus Oliveras. They're like, this is year one, Playboy. Let's slow down. You know what I mean? It's, this yeah. is all part. Of, this is all part of the yin and the yang that I brought up earlier. The pros and cons. However, even though the expectation level and the talk is very big, um, so it's it's got to weigh heavy. On the flip side, you have Jesus Oliveras, who's the one who's backing you, saying. I'm going to program you. I got your ear. I saw the videos. Powerlifting America did an amazing job. They showed one of those videos that um, they clipped and put captions on Jesus telling you like, let's go. Let's like get back in that bar. We got, let's he was rallying you up. And I watched the videos like, holy fuck, man, I'm getting amped up right now. Just watching this. Damn it. I'm swearing. And your mother's going to watch this. I just caught myself. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, mama. All we'll, we'll give but, her an apology. On your yeah. yeah that warner ahead of time. I tried my best, but, um, so, you know, having, having your brother as the motivator, it's, yeah, it's, there's pros and cons all over on top of that. It's very difficult and Arian could probably speak to this, but doing any kind of programming or technical work for a super heavyweight is so different. It's unrelatable to other lifters. Like, like everything switches for super heavyweights, super heavyweights. It's not at all uncommon for the squat to be more than a deadlift for other weight classes. Very uncommon, you know, and in terms of the setup for bench, the setup for squat, the setup for deadlift, it's entirely different. You see strong men who are obviously by nature, super heavyweights and they're set up. They don't deadlift like like, you know, most classes deadlift. And then by on the flip side, the programming for a super heavyweight is entirely different. You know, I had Matt Gary on, who obviously coaches Ray Williams. And, um, you know, he would talk about like frequency and intensity for Ray Williams is going to be entirely different than frequency and intensity for other sized lifters. And for you to have Jesus there, who was like, He's, you know, you guys are, but he's a super, he's the super heavyweight. So in terms of um, streamlining the process and being able to say, my friend, I went through a whole lot of adjustments until I found out this, that, and the other for technique, this, that, and the other for setting up for bench, this, that big fellas like us need to bang, bang, boom, this, that, and the other. And, and the resources most people have YouTube articles to help their deadlift setup, squat setup. You guys just won't have. You guys are like the one percenters walking around. And you, you it just, I don't think people understand how limited resources will be for individuals like yourselves. Whereas like all of these articles probably hit the nail on the head for most people in terms of like, let me adjust your squat. Let me adjust. That shit ain't going to work for a lot of you guys, right? Have you guys noticed that anyways, working together? Uh, Yeah, like I think recently... 
we made an adjustment to Pablo's hand placement on his squat bar, right? So we moved the pin, the racks inward because so Pablo is naturally wider than me, right? So obviously, like you can compare our musculature and like I'm gonna look more muscular, but Pablo's frame, like if you just like touch our shoulder joints, like where the bone ends, side to side, Pablo is large. He's wider, and then he also has longer arms, so. Uh, he was having a hard time being able to keep his chest upward with the cue of like locking his lats in, right? And we were looking at it and Mikey, he helped us out with this, you know, because Mikey also kind of made a similar adjustment, but not for the same reasons, right? But we ended up moving his hands outward because his triceps were literally like, like banging against his lats. So he wasn't able to like lock the bar in and they would like kind of cause his chest to cave on the way up. So his hips would shoot up and then his chest would kind of be a lag. So I'll, I guess I'll kind of talk about this real quickly. So I like to describe the squat as a three stack lift, right? The first point is going to be um, where the, bat, the bar is making contact with your back. That's stack number one. Number two is going to be your core. And number three is your hip. If you can like properly like set up those three points, to be stacked, like you, you pretty much turn into a leg press, right? Mm. Um, so with Pablo, like he was having a hard time being able to secure like that first point in his stack, right? Because there was like his arms, it was just a bunch of going on, like really cramped. So then, like we we're like, well, let's let's move your hands out and see if you can like move the bar a little bit lower on your back to more of like a mid bar, and then let's just see how it looks, and then being able to have more freedom. And like keep his chest upright, like it's been yielding really good results recently. And like that's something that I don't think any coach in the world could have figured out in like a day. You know, this is something that it's taken us week by week, day by day to figure out solutions, little tweaks here and there to just kind of put into play, you know, because having the not like having general knowledge is completely different than having knowledge and knowing how to apply it. Like, those are two different things, you know. You can be book smart and you can be street smart, but are you both, you know? So, like, I think that's an example right there that me being the super came in handy and, like, being able to help out Pablo, you know, or, like, differences, like, with deadlifts in particular, like – um there's just so many variables that just don't really affect smaller lifters because like they're not as wide, like their own leverages aren't fighting against their natural levers or levers, you know, however you want to pronounce it. So, you know, it's just little tidbits here and there where like I can just reach into the back of my head or even Pablo. Sometimes Pablo's helped me out with some things because he has an eye for it too, you know? So like, and that, you know, that's just kind of, it really just comes in handy. And I bet you in terms of like the frequency of like squatting and intensity and singles, et cetera, is likely different. The way, the way, um, you know, Matt Gary was explaining it with, with, uh, Ray, you know, maybe, I don't know if you have, if like, if Joey tells you, okay, look at, cause Joey's obviously got a huge, you know, roster full of world champions, but is it quite a bit different than people or probably people like, let's say a 93 kilo lifter is going to be doing or an 83 kilo lifter is going to be doing in terms of 
you know, frequency of singles or working up to or the program itself? Or do you think it's closer than people might expect? No, people are so surprised when I tell them my frequency. Like, they'll literally be like, bro, like, you're lying. Like, you're capping. <laughs> but when we first started, Joe literally told me, like, here, man, this is going to be, like, the most basic split I can think of. We're just going to keep running it until you, like, hit a wall or something. And we haven't changed the split since. And it's literally just one spot, two bench, and one deadly, right? And everything is pretty moderately uh, as far as in, moderate as far as intensity just because having such a low frequency gives more room for rest, but at the same time, I can't just, like, sandbag every single workout. Like, I have to make sure that every single set rep matters. There is impact to what I am doing every single session, you know, just because I'm only training four days a week, but at the same time, you know, it's like you have to take load times volume times intensity. And then when you actually break that down, you're like, okay, like I definitely need those three days of rest. Like, I think if Joey would have started me off on five days, I think I might've progressed just as quick, maybe a little faster, but I think I might've hit like a wall sooner or later. Just because I need, like I, I don't, I don't know, like three days of rest. Like I tell people a lot, like you want when you're starting off, you want to get as good as you can with as little as possible, because you don't want to, like when you look at a Russell Warhe, like this guy trains seven days a week, like six days powerlifting, one day active recovery, right? Where he does bodybuilding. Not everyone should be doing that. Like that mm. is Russell Warhe. Like this guy is who he is because of what he's done, whatever, right? You can go on and on about it. When you're like a 17, 18 year old kid who's barely getting into the sport, like there's no way in hell you should be starting off with that much frequency. Like, you know, maybe two squat days, three bench days, but you kind of mess with that volume and intensity to where like maybe it's like one hard day, one easy day, one medium day. And then like you mess with the volume scheme where it's like, okay, you gotta have like a main volume day and then you gotta have like some sort of uh, variation day. And then you have like your comp day, right? Like so many people are like, oh no, I'm more, like you just gotta keep going. You gotta hammer everything in. And then like, you're not a machine. Like you're, you're made of meat, bones. Like these are things that take time to recover, to strengthen, to develop. So it's like, I like to start off like my athletes, like with super low um, frequency, just to see like, okay, this is how you're reacting. This is how you're feeling. Like, this is how we should be feeling around like three weeks in, four weeks in. So I mean, obviously like I can keep going on about this and just how you can dice it up, how you can serve it up. But yeah, when you compare like my split and Pablo's split, like even Pablo's split is a little different. So Pablo has two splits. He has his main competition split is what I'm doing, right? Just because we train together every day. Um, but the accessories and variations that I program him are completely different, right? Like he has way more upper body accessories than like Joey gives to me, right? Because one of Pablo's like weaknesses, you could say, is his upper body, right? His deadlift and squat, like that's just going to keep getting stronger and stronger little by little because of where he's at. But so whenever we're like in the off season mode, I'll actually move Pablo to a five day split where he actually has like an extra bench session slash upper body day somewhere in the week. Right. And that's just to specifically address his needs. 
Um, and we'll drop it when he's starting to feel a little beat up, when it's starting to like leak into his other main sessions. Like we'll, we'll chop it down back to four, let him kind of recover and just have more time. And then we'll just kind of mess around with it. You know, you gotta be, you gotta learn how to be adaptable and flexible, you know. But yeah, if you look at like a 93 guys, like I think I was talking to John about this. Like John trains like six days a week. I think he squats maybe three, I'm not sure. Uh, or like like two and a half or something like that. But it's like Is it Jonathan Kaiko? Yeah, Mr. Mr. Legal Lifting. <laughs> but uh and I think he benches like four to five. And which is crazy to me because he's such he's a mid five bench presser, um, but yeah, it just it, it it severely differs in terms of like smaller weight classes because of their specific needs, their specific requirements to progress and etc. It, it's people got to understand like there's something. Here, here's the thing: social media sometimes can make you think all right, more, just like I'll outwork everyone in the room by doing more, more days of the week, more reps, more whatever. But it's like, um, I th actually it was the strength guys who were on the podcast and they're like, you don't get a medal for how hard you work. You get a medal for the results you put on the platform. What reaps the best results, period. And it'll shock people were like, like, look at the days a super heavyweight lifts might not be as many days but the intensity on it will be like, yes, you will have over 800 pounds on your freaking back on a regular basis. You got to get out for that. It, the, the level of tightness your body needs in focus and what that's going to do to your body for week in, week out to be shifting the weights that a super heavyweight is, it, it's better to go intensity wise and less on the reps to just wear down your hips, wear down your knees, wear down the nerve. It's, it's. It's you got to operate this. It's not about like, like, let's just fucking see how many days you could do. It's no, let's get the biggest total possible. You know, and it, and like you said, comparing you to like Jonathan Keiko, you're both, you've both won world titles and, and done your damn thing and broken world records, but it's, you're on completely different, different programming. And um, yeah, Mac Air was talking very similar to the Ray Williams situation where it's not like you got a, he's got a monster squat, you got a monster squat. But he's only squatting, like you said, you squat once a week, and people are like what? Yeah, yeah, once a week. But I'm you're also obviously shifting incredible weight that one time a week. So, and then you got a deadlift, incredible weight as well. But yeah, it's it's um, uh, that's why it's gonna help for Pablo to be with you, and you'll be like, listen to me, you know, you're gonna you're gonna read a lot of shit on social media, or if you tell people or ask people ideas, they're gonna tell you things that are not gonna work for you, man. You're a super heavyweight and there are like very few people who are super heavyweights that you're going to bump into to be able to offer this advice. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't that's... question. I don't question like the, you know, I'm not like a big, uh, Oh, this is what happens on social media. Hey, shoes, let me try it out. No, 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 no. I think yeah. it's good. I think it's more of a pro for me. I'm like a very like tunnel vision. Okay. I don't question nobody. I don't, I don't, you know, ask him or doubt you know the plan they have because i'm like you know what if this works it works and it it's going to continue to work like i'm not a big uh for people labeling juniors they like to call i don't know i guess the maturity of them and they want you know to speed things up and they're very impatient and they want to try all these things and it's like i think it's good that 
the people we had around growing up, like, are, and I pay tribute to my older siblings and my mom. Like, you get a plan, no, don't question it. You follow the plan and you try as hard as you can to accomplish the goal at hand. And it just stuck with me. And people can call it whatever they want to call it, but it works. Discipline. It, it helps. It's coming from the world champion, though. <laughs> Right. That helps mm -hmm. in terms of credibility, at least, you know, like, well, come on, man, you, you know, my brothers, it's literally coming from the world champ and I'm trying to do what he's doing. So that helps for sure. So it's powerlifting then. So when I was growing up, there was in high school, there was two dudes who were like national champion uh, wrestlers and they were twins. And um, they were like the ultimate training partners because they're, you know, they're brothers too at the same time. And it made them tighter when they were doing this. And uh, Jesus, you had spoken the fact that there were you guys weren't always tight at the point, like in certain points in your life. Has this brought you guys tighter? Has this been like, um, you know, like a rekindled something here? When you guys first started training together, was it a little further apart? You would drift it and whatnot. And you don't got to get into super personal if you don't want to. But in terms of your journeys together, um, has this been something that's brought in you guys? Yeah, man, like without a doubt. I feel like what we've been doing together just – so I know Pablo talked about it a little bit before about how, like, his perspective, like, battling with, like, his demons or, like, his insecurities, but, like, continuing to come back and continue to just, you know, home, like, just keep, keep swinging for the fence, right? Um, I do think it has brought us a lot closer – because I myself, like as an individual, like sometimes I kind of tend to be someone who's like, oh, this out of sight, out of mind. And I think being able to see Pablo every day, you know, and just be with him, walk with him, live with him, like on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, like we go eat together, we talk, we play uh, Warzone together. It's just been, it's been very... I mean, I, I can't even find a word for it because, like, like this guy right there, like, he – I could be feeling upset about something. And, like, he'll literally be the first and maybe the only person, other than, like, my girlfriend, Surya, like, obviously we live together, so she can pick up on those signs. But with Pablo, you know, it's like he – it's almost like we kind of read each other's mind in our body language. And it's like we know when to push each other we know when to hold each other to higher standards, but we also know when to like take a step back and be more of a brother than a coach or a competitor, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I feel like that's something that a lot of people struggle with because if you listen to other sets of brothers, they're like, oh no, like fuck that guy. Whenever we're out there training, like, no, it's like whoever's the best man, but that's not who we are. You know, that's not, how we were raised, that's not the relationship that we that we have envisioned with each other, or at least on my behalf, you know? It's like, who, like, whoever I'm around, I want them to believe in themselves and just try to achieve something that they never thought was possible. Like, because that's how I look at myself, so that's kind of how I try to project onto others, you know? But, no, nah, man, it's been, it's been very... I guess you can call it a roller coaster because 
and I guess I'm getting a little personal just for the just for the shit and giggles. Like whenever we were younger, like Pop would try to gouge my eye out. He hit me with the baseball bat when we were kids. That sounds about right. I got a brother. Yeah, you know, just just about par right. for the course. You know? And it's like you know, he used to tell me he hated me, you know, but. It's just I still have like all those memories in the back of my hand. So it's like when I can for me, it's a moment of celebration on the inside when I see this guy smoke a weight that he's been beating himself up over time and time again. Or like a particular lift, you know. So it's like, you know, that's my that's my guy. That's that's my best friend. That's that's my brother. You know, like I know I made a TikTok the other day about it. It's like you know, if there, if I had to pick someone to be in a trench with, and if impending doom was in our path, like I would jump in. Like there's, there is no run in that situation. You just dig down and you hope for the best, and whatever happens after, like you either live or you die with the consequences. So, you know, that's my guy. Siblings are. I'm gonna get Pablo's uh, take in a second here, but. I got so I got two siblings too, and I know all about man. I know all about scrapping with siblings, and it's um, siblings are different, man. Like if whenever you're close to somebody, if you ask somebody if you ever had any fallouts or any kind of like whatever with like if it's just a person or a friend, and they're like no, it's like well then you haven't been you just haven't been tested yet. Life hasn't tested you yet, but with siblings. You've been through it all, especially if you've lived under the same roof. Like, there's no doubt that you've been through it all, right? So it's different when you meet again as adults and um, and you have that history. Then you already know. You know, you already know. Yeah, some shit comes. We've we've been through worse, and we'll 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 hammer it out. We'll work it out. Whereas other people, if some shit comes, you don't know if they're just gonna walk away. What's their what's what's their resiliency for this relationship? It's different when it's like that. You know what I mean? That when you have a history like that. Um, so anyways, Pablo, what, what's your take on it? You know, in terms of as powerlifting brought you guys back closer and how do you feel? I think it's definitely helped. Uh, <clears throat> well, because anything that we did growing up, I mean, at the beginning, it was more of like, man, like I want to just beat him because he's always been better. Right. The mental, uh, it didn't, it didn't not change for me until we started lifting together consistently. To where it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be to where I have to look at him like my enemy or my competitor. For both of us to be, you know, great at something, I'd rather be doing it with him together, grow together, than to have like that negative mindset because it's just not healthy, you know. Like our, my, like my dad and his siblings, they don't talk to each other at all. They despise each other, you know, and with us and our siblings, like we don't do that because we saw what, how they treated each other. We always grew up closer together and that's, and I'll, I'll say it again, you know, like I pay tribute to my older siblings and my mom, who we are today is just a result of how they raised us, how they nurtured us. And, and I just, I don't know, man, it's kind of weird to explain, but it's like, I wouldn't want to like be in a rut other than like my brothers, you know, and my sister. And if we can both be great at this and we can both take titles and we can both 
beat people who were the best or, you know, we can beat anybody, then, like, why not do it together in this sport? And it definitely helps, man, because sometimes I, like, I ain't gonna lie, a couple weeks ago, like, I failed some lifts, and I'm just like, I want to leave. I would want to leave, but then I'm like, you know what? No, that's responsibility on my part as my own individual, man. Like, I have responsibility, and within our relationship and to what we're doing together, like, I cannot afford to leave. I can't abandon shit because that's just not me. That's just not how we were raised to be. So I take I take the hit in the chin, Ryan. I take the hit in the chin. Like, you know what? I'll do I'll do the back downs, bro. I'll do it. Like I'm not gonna quit because you wouldn't do that to me or any of my siblings. You know, I see people in the gym and they want to quit and they want to walk out, but it's like that's you could just see the comparison of how much this means to us. You know, people can call it just a hobby, but so far it's like you know we're doing pretty good and it's just a hobby. Well, I mean, people call it a hobby sometimes, but at the same like it can literally change your life. Like you can learn a lot from partaking in any sport period in terms of what discipline can do to you, do for you, what consistency can do for you. Um, and like the inspiration you can get just having a goal period in life. If you at the, probably the worst is not having a goal or direction, just fucking waking up and just waking up, just go to your job and just go to your job, come home and just, that's it. Yeah. That's depressing, dog. You want depression? That's depression. Don't have a reason. Don't have something that you're shooting towards. And then um, legit, man, the cheat code of life is consistency. Understand how you get from A to B is nothing more than consistency and doing something regardless if you're motivated to do it. Discipline saying, I'm just going to do it anyways. Like a job. I treat it like a job. I have to. I just do it. I just take away my emotions and go through the paces some days and just get whatever I can done. And that's a fucking cheat code that people, once people unlock that cheat code in life, so many doors open up. And if powerlifting is the thing that makes people realize that, and it can, that's why people like what I learned from powerlifting and other people, if you make a post like that, people in the comments like, fool golf, it's just a hobby, dog, whatever. You got a negative attitude. You're probably like, think, you're probably a I think esports, Yeah. Like I think esports is a hell of an example because if anything is a hobby, I think playing video games could be in that category. Like, like, uh, I don't know if you follow with like gaming or uh, streamers or anything, but like uh, a streamer that me and Pablo follow, his name is Swag. He literally signed a multi-million dollar deal with YouTube to play video games. And, like, I'm not going to say that powerlifting is anywhere near close to that at the moment, but, like, just imagine, like, why not put your 100% in for a dream and shoot for the stars? Like, what is – so it's like – I mean, and I don't know. Like, it's just, like, what can you really say about that, you know? How can you knock someone down for having such a conviction – that they prioritized everything towards their dream. How is that offensible? How does that make other people upset that, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, like how dumb am I going to look sitting here and talk shit about someone making a multi-million dollar deal because they're playing video games? Like, does, does that make sense? So it's like, or what's, what's something else? Like, even, even like even if it's not money 
Yeah, or like, so it's like, or uh, you might have seen this one. Uh, mukbangs. People make money recording themselves eating food. Like, that's their job. They're, that, the hobby is the job. And they'll make a hundred grand off of streams because they're literally just eating. That's like, insane. Who, who, who looks dumber? Like the guy saying, oh, you're dumb and soft for making money for eating. Like, like it just kind of like look at it from a bigger picture and it's like, no, like the person calling it dumb is the one who looks dumb. So it's like, it's kind of a weird interaction type thing. It's uh, in that respect, I get what you're saying, where you can't knock a hustle. If someone's putting food on the table, roof over their head, you know, don't knock the hustle. But even on in the other direction, even if it's like, um, even if someone's like, you make no money on this endeavor, you make no, even saying like, look at, I don't care if I make zero dollars in this endeavor I've chosen, whatever it might be, but it means something to me in just having something that means something to you and to be passionate about it. And then from that passion, you start setting goals and you start getting some discipline involved and you start getting some, some consistency involved in your routine in your daily routine, your weekly routine that will impact how happy and satisfied you are in your day to day and how you carry yourself. If I can give any advice to somebody, it's like find something that you feel somewhat passionate about that you could start having that. And when you have that in your life, man, whatever, bro, whatever, just skate to it. You also have to look at it from this perspective. It's like, if you're invested 110% into whatever you're doing, just think how much harder you're going to work. You know, like whenever I first started, like I I was literally in the situation you just described my own family at the very beginning, you know, like now they're like my biggest supporters, but at the beginning, my family, like I'm, I come from a blue collar upbringing. Like if you go back to Odessa and you go talk to any Olivares or Chavez that you can find, every single one of them are going to be working 60 to 70 hours a week. They're going to be in the oil field. They're going to be working right now. It's like 20 degrees, you know, it's rainy, muddy. That is where I come from. That is the kind of people that I was around my whole life. So it's like these people grow up in a very harsh reality where if you don't go to this job work 60 to 70 hours a week, you're not going to make it. So I feel like because of that, I was able to take those lessons and apply it to what I'm doing now, you know, because whenever I was kind of first starting to decide how bad or how far I wanted to go in the sport, I came to a realization. Like I like to look at like Tom Brady, like Kobe Bryant, individuals who put every single ounce of themselves into their craft. That is how you achieve miraculous and like levels that nobody else ever has, which I think I've embodied, you know, the things I've done, people would, people literally almost die trying to do. So it's like, I held nothing back from my efforts into what I've done to get here, you know? So it's like, you got to look at it like that. It's like how much of yourself are you willing to put into this to get the result that you want? And when I have conversations with people, like one of the first two questions that I ask them when they ask me what they can do to be where I'm at, 
uh, well, I'm asking like, well, like how far, like what, what do you think working hard really is? Like, what do you think making a sacrifice really is? You know? So it's like, like when I first started, man, like I was a stubborn son of a bitch. Like I, I was living at the gym at here in San Antonio for like, I think three or four months. Like I didn't have no money. I wasn't even asking money from my siblings, you know, like later on, like they kind of chewed my ass out because they were like, dude, we're literally here to support you and help you out. Like, why aren't you, why aren't you like even asking for help? But it's because I had a dream and a vision in my head that I was going to do this, accept the consequences and just go as far as I could by myself, you know? Cause I think maybe at the time Pablo was like first starting to come along, like he was making plans to move to San Antonio and like do all this stuff. But it's like, you know, like I, I put everything I have into what I do, you know, like I literally do not leave anything in the reserves when I'm in the gym, when I'm in the train, but this isn't just a hobby to me. This is, this is my passion. This is my livelihood. You know, like I'm, I've, I've never, I'm not one to go out here and like talk about the things I'm going to do because at the, the end of the road, somebody else is going to be what I'm going to do. You know, hey, is, there some, is, is something going on in the background there? It's getting tough to hear you, my man. <laughs> yeah, uh, my girlfriend's putting up the dishes. <laughs> sounds like there's like, she's, sounds she's like taking money. Sounds like she's throwing someone around. Sounds like there's a fist fight in the kitchen or something. <laughs> you heard all that yeah. talk about working hard, man. She's... That's right. No, I am I am very blessed to have uh, Saria in my life because she makes what I do so much easier. Like, I just recently started working with a nutritionist, you know, just taking more control over, like, my diet, my nutrition, just taking things to another level. And it's just to have the woman that I have in my life, like, like I said, like we just finished our two years and like the gift that she got me were just so heartwarming, you know, like this woman listens to everything that I need. She's so selfless. And it's like, honestly, I think she has been a very key component in like the last two years that we've been together. Like, I'm not like, it's like, I don't, I'm, I just feel like having her by my side has just made um, these last two years, which you could say are like my most successful, like my breakout two years, um, you know, I want to give her some of the credit too. Like she's definitely been there through my worst moments. Like Pablo can even testify, you know, like I, there's been a couple of times where like a session didn't go the way I wanted and I would kind of lash out emotionally. And like, she took it like a champ, you know? And like, I know for a fact that I have a keeper, you know, and there's, I don't think, you know, they don't make them like they used to anymore. And it's like, like my woman, like I'm going to hold on to her as tight as I can for as long as I can. You know, got a lot of big things coming down the future, but she definitely, she's definitely a big, a big part and a big help to my success. Speaking of the future, gentlemen, we got um, possible clashes with, what are you thinking about? Jesus Oliveras versus Ray Williams for Sheffield. Is that... I know no invites have been putting out. This is all just banter, but I want to get your guys' impression. Is that what you want to see, Jesus? Is that the yes, let's do it? Is it still high on your radar? Because we've been talking for a couple of years now, and that was the number one match you wanted. Pablo, I want to get your impression of what you think. Um, if that match is still red hot, I've talked to a couple people. 
And I remember when I had the Sabato boys on and they were like, that's got to be the match that happens. Um, I had Dan Bell on and he literally said, I got goosebumps when you just said that. I said, what do you think about Ray Williams versus Jesus Oliveras for Sheffield? I said, I just got goosebumps thinking about that. I mean, there's this, and this is like people in the untested to the tested are like, holy smokes. Now, Ray's last total, I don't know if you guys know this, 1022.5. Jesus Oliveras' last total, now I know, injured, et cetera, but 1022.5. Could six-pack Lapidat sell that? You bet your ass I could sell that. If, if I, you, I, you do a hell of a yeah. job at what you do. Doggy, <laughs> I'll doggy, create hype, create hype, playboy, create hype. So, um, what are your thoughts on this? I'll, I'll get yours first, Jesus, and then Pablo. Let me know what you think. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. That's never. I just feel like that's a marquee matchup. That's gonna be like I remember, like even, um, just like. You just rem- it's just a matchup that you're gonna remember, you know, even if it's everything you could hope for it to be or not, you know, just to have the both of us on that platform would be like something you rarely see. You're gonna see the five-time world champ, the super heavyweight goat go against like you know hopefully i think after a third potential title and like a successful meet uh if i get to if let's just say hypothetically by this point me and ray both have invites right so let's just say like have a successful sheffield win a third title you know maybe push the tested or all-time world record a little bit further i think by that time then like i think i'd feel a little bit more qualified to even be like in the GOAT conversation. So it would it just, it would just be very sentimental for me, to be honest, just because of who Ray is, you know, like he is what you would call like a predecessor. Um, he's like, you know how when people are like, oh, like so-and-so walks or so-and-so could run, you know, like I know like whenever I was coming up, I would get like a bunch of, oh, like the next Ray Williams and like, at the time, I was, like, 20, 21, 22. So I would just be like, oh, no, like I'm going to be my own man. But it would be very foolish and immature of me to deny that, you know, because of who Ray is and what he's done. Like, I do need to give that man credit, you know. And uh, whatever, whether if I, you know, if I do good or he does good, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm going to want to eat dinner with Ray after that, you know. That's a man that I want to pick his brain from. I want to learn from him. I want to ask something about him that I could apply to myself and just continue to improve, you know, because it's, there's a difference between dominating for a year and dominating for five plus, Mm. you know, and there is little nuggets of knowledge and truth in those five, seven, whatever, however many years that I feel like any youngin or, person who hasn't experienced it you need to be willing to learn and like okay like i see what you're saying you know so um i'm very excited you know it would be it would be the closest thing to a sports dream come true for me you know to have and share the platform with ray dude seeing back-to-back thousand pound squats and seeing the greatest super heavyweight of all time going against the current champ 
Pablo, what do you think? This is your older brother who would have an absolutely massive showdown. And I got to think if this ever gets announced that these two are going head to head at Sheffy, I think everybody's going to go bonkers. What, what are your thoughts, my man? I think the, I think it'd still be one of the greatest matchups. I think people really undervalue Ray just because of, you know, injuries and the inconsistency he had for one year, you know, like you said, like his one year of not being there doesn't, you know, demoralize or degrade how much he's accomplished. Like all respect to that, man, people like don't really think about it, but I was there in Jesus's come up, you know, going from 800, 880, 903, 950, you know, I was there and the workouts. And I have, I have videos of like my like recording of ongoing recording with me and him. And we would talk about, we would start naming people we want to beat two years ago, you know, and it, it means a lot to my brother because this is what if Jesus thought of a ceiling that he wanted to be, it was Ray. So every training session since he started three years ago is about how much can I push to get there? Because Ray is, you know, he's one of the best. He is the best super heavyweight. You know, he is one of the goats. And it'll mean a lot. The morality behind it, just the, the meaning, the appreciation. There's nothing negative towards that it's all nothing but purity positive like this is what competitors do true competitors not people that want to uh, you know call people soft and talk crap you know this is what it's about is when two monsters of a man of men with high totals you know they put on a show for people to watch and to inspire people you know no no negative is within this this matchup at all and i think that's what I, as a spectator, appreciate because it comes from a good heart. The training comes from a good place, and it'll be a fun one, you know. It'll be very fun to watch. I think yeah. it should happen. I mean, look at uh, if you're a basketball player and you had an opportunity to go against Michael Jordan, fucking, it's respect. It's not, uh, you know, it's out of respect. You're like, of course. Of course, you know, <laughs> like if you have the pro- if you have an opportunity. And Irene, if you got questions, you want to jump in, sir. Well, I was just going to add on to that because before we started recording, we were talking about Dennis Cornelius and I was pulling up the the records, the IPF world records. And Dennis's world record total is one of the longest standing ones. But then Ray's for the 120 plus is also one of the longest standing ones since March 2017. No one has topped that. And Ray has held that record. No one else has been able to break it since 2015. So I'm, I'm all for seeing both of them go to Sheffield, seeing this great matchup, you know, both having similar totals as far as best totals and the same total as far as recent totals. But if for some reason Jesus gets invited and Ray doesn't, because like I said, Ray has been dealing with injury and stuff like that, I think that's still going to be a great storyline. It's like Jesus going to Sheffield, putting up the highest total ever in IPF Classic Division and potentially breaking that. At that point, it will be a six-year-old world record total that's in there. So Jesus still has all that opportunity to do that, and it will still have that storyline to it. Yeah, no matter what, whether Ray's there or not, Ray's numbers are there. So the storyline still would be passing of the torch, but wouldn't it be special if he was there physically as well as the numbers? Then Then you have both. Then you have both. And then and then the only thing after that, of course, would be, um, I guess my next question would be, what do you think you would take Jesus for you to surpass Ray in terms of goat talk? Do you have to do five? Do you have to do six? Or do you think if you just eclipse numbers, take the untested total in sleeves as well? And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I think 
I think I'm good and I could say goat or what do you think? Cause you get, your name gets tossed around for goat already. Yeah. Um, I think for sure. So this is my personal criteria for goat is how like championships matter. Duration of dominance matters. Numbers matter. Um, I feel like that kind of was like just the three things that need to be in conjunction, right? Because anyone can have like one good year and then fall off the map, you know, whether personal stuff happens, uh, they lose drive, they don't have the focus to continue coming back and staying at the top. So, because even now, man, like I, I have two championships and it's like right now, like the only thing that I'm focused on is, you know, getting the invite to Sheffield and giving it my best, you know, going nine for nine, hitting something pretty stupid. Um, that's literally all I'm focused on at the moment. So past that, you know, obviously Worlds is going to be like, I think three months after in Malta, you know, and then like around that area, like I, I'm going to have to come back to the drawing table and be like, okay, like, all right, this is my third one. You know, if you don't know, just say that I'm healthy enough to win the third one, so this is supposed to be like championship number three, and then it's like, okay, like, what are my priorities at the time? You know, like, am I gonna be getting ready for a wedding, or am I gonna, you know, you never know, anything can happen. You know, anything can happen. Like, is like, how's my mom's health gonna be? Like, how how am I gonna be healthy? Like, am I gonna need time off? Like, you know what I'm saying? So. Looking to pass into the future, like there's really no way to be. Oh yeah, for sure I'm gonna win six titles, you know. Um, but I do think I would, at the very minimum, tie. I would have to tie the five world championships, and I think it would have to be five in a row, you know, to be very comparable. Winning a sixth one would just be like surpassing the title mark, and then. I think obviously having the total record and the squad record. Um, the, I pulled I pulled more than the deadlift record, but not at worlds. So you know, pulling at, at a world competition. Um, I don't remember what the bench record is, but I do want to eventually have our full records. I want to have the squad bench, deadlift, and total record. Um. And then just how long can I do it? You know, I feel like that's really the hardest part for a lot of people, you know, but I think I'm up for the challenge, man. I think I'm, I think I'm definitely more than well prepared to go on a six to seven year run. You know, like I've, I think I've proven that I know how to stay healthy enough as the year goes on, as the year wanes and waxes. So it's like, I think I would have to win six titles. You know, I think seven would be nice. And then have uh, the all-time drug-tested record. And then I just think that um, – I know that by the time that I'm ready to kind of walk away from this, I will probably more than positively have, like, the all-time all-time world record. You know, it might happen next year or the year after that. I know uh, – Mr. Bell was talking about it briefly, you know, like he's got like two or three more meets left in the horizon. So, you know, wish him nothing but the best. I hope he accomplishes all his goals. But, you know, like this is a longevity game. So he's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. Um, but I just think those would be like the three important things 
for me to surpass Dan. Because honest, I mean, not Dan, I mean Ray. Because even in my heart, I still think Ray is the better super, you know, because just of who I am. And it's, it's just sports talk. And I feel like this is so bad and powerlifting because not a lot of people played any other sport. Like, like we played football and track. Like, that's like saying, um, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's just a little different. Like, the respect that you give to the men who have gone before you and just, I think it's a little disrespectful when you start to undervalue what they've done just because they're having like a bad year, like they're coming back from an injury. You know, like I still remember like two years ago when Ray was like really getting like coming back, you know, he was starting to get well from his rehab. Everyone was telling me like, oh, he's just like Ray's washed. And I just remember getting in arguments with him like, no, dude, like how, like how the fuck, like, sorry, how are you going to say that? How can you say that? without a doubt, like, just so easily. Like, it just, I just think it's kind of disrespectful, you know, to speak on another grown man like that. So it's like, nah, man, like, Ray, I think Ray definitely has life in him. I, you know, like, he that, that dude's a dog. I know, I like, literally, I, I know what it takes to even get to a thousand pound squad. Like, no, that's not an easy feat at, by any means because it takes a lot of time and it takes a hell of a lot of like testicular fortitude to just keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. You know, I think if Ray was really done, he would have been done after that Worlds in 2019. Or, right, was it 2019 where he was? Yeah, he came uh, back he in 2021 hurt. to squat 1,000 again. Yeah, so it's like, you know, like we don't know exactly what type of shape Ray is going to come in. You know, he's very mysterious with this posting you know, which is kind of like a classic Ray thing, if you ask me. Um, keeps you on your toes. But, yeah, man, like, it's, it, it's going to take a hell of a lot more than just having better numbers and a couple titles, you know. Like, there, there's no way you dismantle someone like that from a Mount Rushmore so easily, you know. Like, it's – no, this ain't no walk in the park, you know. This is this is a tall, a tall task, not meant for just anybody, so – you know, I think, I think I'm definitely up for it. Yeah, I think 100% in terms of longevity, look, in this sport, numbers and records fall all the time. So if you're going to have goat talk, I agree that if you come, if someone comes in any weight class, takes a world record, okay, well, that's the biggest number ever in that weight class. So now I must be the goat. I like your breakdown of, and obviously goat, everyone's got opinion. It's not an official title, but I like your breakdown of, Instead of that, let's take a look at longevity. How many times, like for how long were you the best in the world? In the entire world, you're the number one guy or, or woman, depending on like, same with the women, obviously criteria for the women's class. That is now that's getting more difficult, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You broke a world record, but the world records are in powerlifting are getting broken all the time. You can't break to your point, break the world record. Now I'm the GOAT because that's the biggest of all time in that weight class. Yeah, but so in six months, that's going to fall again. But how long were you number one in the world for? Five years, half a decade, Ray, is an incredible amount of time for powerlifting. That's very difficult to hang on to. Nobody came around and you had a shitty year and they took it from you. 
That's very difficult. And you also, like, people have shitty days, especially with world championships. You have to fly around the world no matter where it is. Some years, it's in very bad places where you're going, like, 24-hour flights, et cetera, and you still could do it. Now we're talking. That's different, isn't it? That's a lot. It's a lot better a statement than I had a really good day, broke the world record once. I think I'm going because I had the biggest total of all time in that weight class. Even if it's more like to your point, even if it's more than people had done previously in your weight class, someone previously in your weight class might have had a five year stretch there. Number one. And they're, and they're doing it head to head. That's big. Now you going head to head with Ray, I think. For a sporting angle, and Ray squatted over a thousand in 2021. That was just last year. I think that'd be phenomenal to see that back to back. Um, and yeah, so I would agree. And so, a quick question in Sheffield: What? Let's say you go to Sheffield. Let's just say, just for the argument's sake, you're going to Sheffield. In this hypothesis, or in this scenario, what do you think you're capable of totaling? And let me put this out there just in case, a reminder, 11, 27.5 kilos, 2,485 pounds is the untested world record in sleeves. Um, your raise best is 11, 12.5 kilos and your 11, 10. So if, if maybe that affects your goals, I don't know. Um, I think, well... So me and Joey, we've had these conversations, right? And the conversation isn't how much do we need to add to take the record? It's how much do we need to add to beat Taylor? Ooh. That's the conversation. Oh, so wow. I think we did the math and this is only if Taylor only replicates what he does in 2021. That I think gives him like a six point some like a like a low six point percent increase. I would have to add at the very least 60 kilos on top of my 11. No, actually, no, 50. 50 kilos on top of my 1110 to win Sheffield. 1160. So, can you do that, you think? I think I can do it. I think I can do oh, it. Oh, oh. Um, because if you break it down, like okay, let's let's break it down right now. Yeah. My yeah. best numbers. I feel like I'm very capable in terms of hitting my best training numbers on the platform when it matters, right? Um, I got the calculator out, my brother. I'll, right, cool, let's cool, do cool. this so together. Let's do in kilos. So right now, my training best is 455. Uh, what's 480? I think it's like 460, I mean, five, 262 and a half bench, and then a 402 and a half best deadlift. Um, well, I'm getting my calculator out too. Because that puts me at. Um, I got 1120. Okay, 1120, right? So I think I can definitely, like on the day that I hit 1003, I could have gone another 15 to 20 kilos on the day. And then. I definitely have to go for like a 606, 606 plus bench. And then I think at that point, all I have to do is pull like 903, you know? So, Holy fuck, man. You know, so this it's, it's within, it's within spitting distance. Can you I know, say like something? 20? We were talking, 
almost throw out everything you just said about goat. You do this, you might be the fucking goat. Let me redo everything I just said. I know I'm backing up, but dude, if you could do this, Jesus, with Ray Williams against you, toe to toe, Sheffield, and you beat Taylor Atwood, who's the king. Fuck me, I don't know, doggy. And you take the untested world record at the same time. You beat Ray, win Sheffield, take the untested world record as well as obviously the test world record, and you beat Taylor Atwood head-to-head competition. And he's the king. Dog, that's got to be worth more a couple world titles. That's got to be worth a couple. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just say, right, right. I'll, yeah, let we you guys decide that. I'll let you guys be the, the voice on that. Chef, uh, SPD, but, please invite this man and Ray Williams. <laughs> please invite so this man and Ray Williams. Yeah, so that's just kind of where our mind is. Our mind isn't on hitting particular numbers. It isn't on just the money. You know, it's on how, like, what what do we need to just be in contention to win, you know? So it's like... I know for some people, like, all they care about is their records and stuff because that's all they have, you know. Some people will literally never be a world champion because of the path that they took. But, I mean, if it all ends up falling in line, then, I mean, it is what it is, you know. I, I did what I did, and people can talk about it. They can talk about it for years to come or, you know, somebody else can come and wipe me off too. But I just, that, that's, that's, that's just a little bit of where like my and Joey's mind is in regards to like potentially going to Sheffield. So it's like, you know, just got to wait and see and then just leave every single thing that we could possibly muster on the platform when it matters. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, you would be the talk of 2023 if you do this. You, what you, if, if this happens, not only if Ray shows up, holy fuck, okay, the showdown years in the making. Um, and then if you end up breaking the world record, Ray's world record, breaking the untested Dan Bell's world record, the untested world record, and then, oh, on top of that, beating Atwood, the king, at Sheffield, the biggest powerlifting event in history. Holy fuck, is that a good day's work in that one day? <laughs> That's really good. Look at if it doesn't make you goat in one day, that might be the most impactful one day of your career, at least at that moment. And I hope you live it up, man. I hope your brother's there. If this all happens, I mean, you haven't got the invite yet, but I just hope if this happens, you realize. If that goes down, it may never get no sweeter. You know what I mean? This is John Hack 2016 against Brett Gibbs, and you're forever chasing that moment where you're like, fuck, was that the moment? Was that the moment? You know, you, you, we, we claw with the fingernails for those moments, my friend. You, some people, as you said, you could just chase records, but you'll never have a fucking moment moment. You know, you'll just be having chasing numbers and whatnot, but you could hit numbers almost anywhere you're, you, some people fucking go whole careers without having that moment moment. That would be it, man. If you get that invite, young man, and, and, and this is and you're capable of those things, my friend, 
all the world records and all that, all the world titles will be amazing after that. Malta, traveling the world, representing USA. Your your parents will be proud and what you're going to brag about you and it's going to be amazing. But that could be, that could that's one of them. That could be one of them. I hope it happens, man. I'm fucking crazy over the top. God, it'll be a crazy announcement if they go. Sheffield invites Ray Williams, Jesus Oliveras. That's it, Playboy. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. You know, it's uh... man. I ho- I hope they I hope they come out with the invite soon because you know it's. I think we're like at that four month out mark, so sixteen weeks ish. I think so. They need to they need to come out with those invites so we can have a clear cut idea of the plans that we need to make for twenty twenty three. I'd imagine it's going to be relatively soon. I'd also imagine if I were you. I would start planning anyways and just fucking and and if you get told otherwise, fine, but just I'd rather be ready and assume the best, right? <laughs> then it just right. If I was you anyways. Um, if I'm just looking at the possible pathways and possible options, fuck, I can't imagine having Sheffield and not having the apex predator of the of, of powerlifting period there. But um uh, Pablo, what is what is next for you, my friend? Because look at here's here's where things get both you're no longer a junior next year, right? You're in the open. So and I oh, know obviously are you a junior still? <laughs> I'm turning 23 this December, so I'll have one more year left. Oh wait, I, wait, but you'll be 23 next year? Mm-hmm. What you're turning I'm 23 sure. next month? Yes. Yeah, so next year you're 24. So with the IPF, you're no longer no, no, a junior no. next year. No, like he'll be 23 all of because his birthday is December 28th. Yeah, but the the way the IPF does it for the IPF meets is you're a junior the year you turn 23. The year you turn 24, you're an open. USAPL was a little bit different. Oh, that's below. They do it by year. Do you want to talk about our plans here or no, Pubs? You don't have to go on on your plans, but uh, yet. Well... I've always been about the open since I started powerlifting. Like I can, yeah, having junior titles is good to build up your resume, but I don't know. I've always wanted to go where the best is at. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Okay, potentially maybe go back to USAPO. Uh, my ultimate goal, though, for sure, is to try to go and be at a world with Jesus. Like that is. One of my main goals is to share a platform at a world stage in the IPF. But obviously things can happen. Uh, some things may sound sweeter than others in the moment. And I don't know, man. I'm I'm a I'm like right here. I'm like yeah, a little yeah. half and half. Uh, I got some guys I want to go against in the IPF, and I also want to, you know, got some guys I want to go against in the here in the USAPL. But I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to have a USAPL Open champion, uh, championship win, but I kind of would. I wouldn't mind risking that just to be with Jesus at a at a world stage. I guess you, you know? could. You could. Um, and Aaron could speak to this probably even better. But uh, well, he could for sure. But see about team selection. Um, and if you make it on the world team in the open and you are that like, you're right. That'd be an excellent storyline. Two brothers um, sharing the platform at the world championship. 
that's freaking gold. But it kind of depends on how they how they're going to stack up worlds, and you know if you get in there as a reserve and then make the team. Hearing is that pretty much the pathway? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on one what year you know it happens to be where you're both trying to make the team, and then also if the schedule ever changes. But it seems like it's beneficial for you right now with the current schedule where the powerlifting american nationals is in february so you'll know whether you make a team or not at the beginning of the year and usapl move their raw nationals to the end of the year in october or whatever so like if you make the team for worlds at jesus then you're like okay i'm going the ipf route we both go together if you don't make the team then you're like maybe do i go to usapl now and get that uh, open national title that's that's kind of like the yeah, you kind of got it right right there arian that's kind of like the the little baseline right now because whatever I need to hit, like that, I want to hit that. If it's a thousand kilos, I will full throttle. Like that's whatever they said I need to hit, I will try my darnest to hit that at PA Nationals to go with his shoes. Like, and if I don't, if I fall short, then Harry and said, then it leaves me, you know, might as well go USAPL. Then you guys, so, one will be one will be king and one, one will be, well, potentially. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We'll, we'll do the preview show yeah. for, but. That could be a goal, right? Is one has one, one's in the other, and you have two kings in the same family, and you got both titles wrapped up. Yeah, because I mean, that's what I told Pablo. Like, I know that I might not be in the USAPL, but it's like, like those guys over there, like they're still very competitive in the 308 and the 308 plus class. So, you know, even even if I'm not there, like that that title still holds um, a good amount of weight, I would say. So it's like even if like how Pablo said, you know, like we're gonna do our best to try to. Hit, I think it's a thousand two, right? Like a thousand oh two or something like that, point five. So it's like we're gonna do our best to prepare for that. And if we just happen to fall like a couple keys short, then even if Pablo has to go to USAPL, you know, to compete, it's still an open national title, you mm-hmm. know. So it's 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 still very prestigious i would say so having pablo and him being the caliber of super that he is it's definitely going to make like those other supers you know start sweating a little bit so it's all about how you add the pressure how you apply it and uh, what you do with it so you got a lot of big things coming in 2023 and um what they're talking about is the carpino Arian, is it do you happen to have you have to hit a certain qualifying total for anyone listening uh, to make the U.S. national team, it's crazy competitive, right? It's like the U to make a U.S. national team for IBF Worlds is extremely difficult, um, and that's what these gentlemen are talking about. The PA had put out those Carpinos. Do you happen to have that in front of you, Arian? Yeah, I just pulled it up. At least yeah, for next year to get that that first uh, selection would be a one thousand and thirteen point five kilograms, which is about twenty two thirty four pounds. And and that. And how do they find that again by taking the top three last three years, uh, what total won it and taking the average of it, right? Yeah. And that would be so. I mean, it was your it was your brother who pushed that up so much, Pablo. You could talk to him about that later. <laughs> you could be like, right. "Thank God his fucking hips were hurting in South Africa because that actually <laughs> that helped me a little bit. That helped me a little bit." It's one but, way to uh, think about it. Yeah, that's what we're thinking about it. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, you're also how old are you, Pablo? Twenty-two, dude. You're young. You got so freaking so much. If you do ten years, 
you Ray Williams was 32 and winning open world titles. And I mean, you could, you God knows how much longer you have in you, man. Uh, so yeah, you could do some bouncing around, man. Go to USAPL, win a title, keep working on your craft, come back 12 months later, whatever the hell they say it is. And then boom, hop back in it again, see where you're at. Um, or, I mean, not only that, but there's also international competitions beyond worlds, right? You don't have to do the world championship. You could make a U.S. national team and be doing North American championship, Pan American, which is the whole one side of the world, Pan American championship, um, you know, all over the place. There's tons of different options as well. So frick, you got options, man. You're a young guy too. So we'll see what happens. But first things first, so let's, let's see what happens at PA Nats. Um, Arian, do you got some more questions, sir? Because I also have the, the name game. Now right, let's go to the name game. All right, let me pull up my names here. I'll ask both you fellas. What kind of here? The thing is, um, because there's two of you, I don't know if because one guy will say his, like, I say a name, and you say like the first two to three words that come to mind afterwards. Um, but one guy's going to steal the other guy's answers if he always goes first, and it's going to be a lot tougher <laughs> for the guy who goes second. That's the t- so. Should we do? You both get the same names, or should we do uh, back forth? Back and forth. Do back and yeah. forth. That's yeah. easiest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, let me ask this one question. Handle this debate for me. Um, I'll ask both you fellas. Who's number one right now, or who's a goat right now? Taylor Atwood or John Hack? That's a tough there. Sports debate, Pablo. What do you think, Playboy? Sports debate. There's no wrong answer. Keep this in mind because it's sports debate. So it's. I say. I want to be a biased. I think doing it naturally, I have to say Taylor Atwood. I'd have to. Uh, it'd be wrong for me to be, yeah, John Hack is stronger. He has the highest dots, but Atwood's natural. I mean, at the end of the day, like what Atwood's doing naturally, I'd say Atwood. What do you- it's, and here's the thing. Here, let me throw this out a couple things too. Because some points I've heard, this has been, this is, this is, this debate. I, I fucking have people in Europe all over like the country. This went all worldwide. Be like, did you hear the podcast? What do you think? Who do you think's better? I go to the gym. It's just a fucking commercial gym in my hometown. And I hear kids talking about it and they're right. So there's a couple points. First off, like, uh, you know, John's like John, John won worlds. Yes. He won worlds IPF worlds as well. Then moved over and he's done great in the untested. And he's won. he's broken world records, a couple weight classes up at a smaller weight class. That's true. On the flip side, something that has to be taken count of. It's not apples to apples. Um, there is a lot more athletes in the tested. There just is. It's a much deeper talent pool to have to rise up to. For instance, for Taylor to to beat the guy up above him is fucking Russell Orhe. And some kid was, I was talking to him at the gym. God bless. He's going to listen to this. He's a good guy. But he's. I, he was saying to me, he's like, yeah, but Atwood would break a weight glass up and and Taylor fell short. Even if it's within five kilos of beating Russ, he still fell short. And I'm like, that's Russell Orhe you're talking about. And the 82.5 or 83s are absolutely stacked. And I said, tell me the name of the guy, John Hack beat a weight class up. I'll wait. Didn't hear that. And I'm like, this is the thing. And they're good, obviously. And the guys, like, they're all amazing. Yeah, My point is the depth of competition is going to be greater 
in the tested. And that, if you don't believe me, open up open powerlifting and it's, they're just as far greater numbers, you know? So to rise to the top of certain talent pools, it does mitigate. Now that doesn't mean I'm saying for sure, Taylor, I'm just saying it won't be apples to apples, but maybe John breaking world records, three weight classes up still makes it good enough. It might be. I'm just saying it's not straight up. It's very tough. It's very difficult. So it's very, like, there is no right and wrong answer, I'm telling you. Could be in a hot seat, right? I know, doggy. Yeah, I know. Hey, look at, look at me. That, that's, I'm, I'm more setting you up that your answer can't be right or wrong either way. It's just yeah. nobody could be like, you're dead to rights wrong. Well, you're full of shit. Nobody could say dead to rights, right? I it's think, tough. yeah, I think it comes down, like, I think you can say John is better but taylor is way more impressive oh that that's an sense. interesting i don't know if it does make sense tell me um, <laughs> you should have answered that one not me but that, that sounds like a politician right now <laughs> because i feel like one thing that a lot of people like to um sweep under the rug is like performance enhancing drugs and i kind of went on a rant about this a couple couple weeks ago on my story it's a very difficult sports question to debate because you cannot take away that John is breaking records, three-way classes. Oh, I think it's two now because Jamal just uh, took it right back. Like, he hit 2,300-plus, I think. So he destroyed it. Um, So it's like – I don't – like you said, like, there's no right or wrong answer. Like, there's no way to really be definitive because I think – what slides John is the fact that he is using performance enhancing drugs. I think people forget how volatile those compounds really are in a human body. Like, could you just imagine if all the top natural guys just decided, you know what, like we're going to show these guys what real, like, like imagine if like Ashton, myself, uh, Bob, um, Peach, imagine if we just decided to switch over and like, fuck it, we're going to throw our morals out the door and we're just going to get as strong as we possibly can in a couple of years. Like what, what then? Like what was going to happen? You know, because the way PDs works is um, like, you're just, you're not human. Like, it's like, you got stuff that you like you know what i'm saying like Super it's kind of hard man. to yeah these work like, P peds work <laughs> they do exactly as advertised they perform they enhance your performance you know? yeah. and i think where a lot of like guys in the untestable kind of argue against this point is well not everybody responds the same right because you'll see some people who are like gym bros and they just look like everyday people, except a little bit more angry. You got a chip on their shoulder because it's messing with their brain. But like, it's just it's very difficult because like I'm a fan of the sport that I participate in. Like I'm a big fan of John's. Like he's an incredible lifter. He looks like an incredible guy. John, I mean a Taylor, same thing. Incredible guy. Like the first time I met Taylor, it was weird because it was like I was meeting the Tom Brady of powerlifting, like the way he carries himself, uh, like his image, like the way he talks, the way he like approaches you, handles himself. It's very like class act, like Tom Brady, you know. Um, like and it's and it's almost weird because it's like I feel like the best answer is 
John is the untested goat and Taylor is the tested goat because it's almost a different sport because you have a sport where you have guys training with nothing but their natural potential. And then you have another segment of guys who are like, would have never been as strong as they are without it, you know, like, like that. And this, and it kind of makes me wonder because it's like, like, and I even brought this out in the smile rant a couple of weeks ago. It's like, if John would have never gone the untested route, like what would have been his top end? I, I for sure as hell, he would have been stronger than what he was um, when he was 23, 24. Right. And I think he was like 25, like before he like hopped on, like, would he have been like the Russ to Russ that Russ was to Nori? If that makes sense, like, would Russ have been like second place five, six years in a row? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of crazy yeah. to think about. This is like, that Marvel. There, there's like the Marvel what the if Marvel series. What if, yeah. <laughs> what if in 2016 beat Brett Gibbs and said, "You know what? I'm staying IPF." Yeah. And like, what if? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so it's like it's crazy. Like I think eventually the uh, John would have had to move up to like ninety three, just because he looks pretty tall for an 80, 83. Um, like it's like you can't really know for a fact how much of his performance is actually him, and how much of it is PDs. And I feel like that is something that just kind of gives an asterisk to every untested performance, especially when you have people like me doing what I'm doing drug free. Like, it's kind of like, well, shit, man. Like, this guy's doing it drug-free, and the other guy is just doing 40 pounds more, but he's risking kidney failure or liver, whatever organ processes that shit. So it's like, I don't know. It, it's just very, it's a very convoluted argument. And I feel like for people in my position and, like, Pablo's position, it's like, it's not easily answered because John is great, amazing, spectacular in his field, but because of the fact that these guys are taking hormones and compounds and stuff that just make them more than what they're meant to be, it just kind of distorts the reality. And I feel like a lot of people aren't really that knowledgeable on the matter. So they're. Did I pause or did you guys pause? Okay, sorry about that, everybody. It dropped on my end. But Jesus, you were just saying about the the comparison is very difficult to make. Yeah, man. It's like it's almost like different sports, different comparisons just because of the amplification that people receive on enhancements. Um, but it's just kind of hard to to really pick one to be the goat for both because John is doing things unimaginable, unimaginable in the untested. And then what Taylor is doing is ridiculous because he's totaling like five kilos less than Russ, which is like the 83 kingpin right now. So it's like, it's just kind of hard to compare, you know, because both guys are spectacular. They carry themselves well, like they're excellent competitors. They don't shy away from anything. So it's like it's like comparing a pineapple to a grape or something like they're both fruits, but one of them is very physically apparently different 
And then the other this one, analogy so. is hilarious. That's the sound bite. They're both fruits. There we go, Arian. There we go, Playboy. But, um, but uh, no, you're 100% right. Look, at, I'm going to get Arian's impression in a second here. But besides the athletes themselves, if the John and Taylor both have the right to be like, it's absolutely it's me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, because athletes need to be like that. That's how they get into the fucking gym every day and do the crazy things, right? But everyone else who, like, I see in the comments who, like, this is crazy. It's not even close. It's this guy. This is crazy. It's not even close. It's the other guy. It's like, this is tough. This is the toughest. And it isn't even direct comparison of, like, like I said, like, the, like, the talent pool Taylor had to raise up on, you think of everybody in tested powerlifting side. Just in the U.S. alone, it's, like, like active powerlifters is what do you happen to know here like twenty thousand or something or what there's active powerlifters and tested in in us alone well i mean usapl has over 20 25,000 members just itself yeah so then now let's go global it's it's crazy take all that and then go global as well in that you think of the talent pool you have to raise to the top of like that not just not just in your weight class, which is crazy enough, like like Russ has done, but to do that all weight classes under any metrics of of whatever formula. If you want Wilkes, IPF points, um, whatever, you know, good lift points, whatever the hell. It's insane. So for Taylor to raise his hand. So when people say, um, and that's just it's just nowhere near as deep a competition in the test in the untested. It just isn't. So then it, it, when we try to say like, how many world titles does Taylor have? How many worlds does John have? How many weight classes up? How many for John and Taylor? It doesn't compare like that. So it comes difficult. On the flip side, John's like, well, like to Jesus's point, John could be like, well, I also won an IPF world title, which I think really helps John's argument mm -hmm. because yeah, he actually helps. Definitely helps because he's done both now. Now he's done both. And to Jesus's point, that is the ultimate what if what if John never left? What the fuck if? What if it was John and Brett and Russ? The whole time when John left, then it became Russ and Brett. Um, and Russ won one, Brett won one, and it was blah, blah, blah. What if he never left and it was Russ, Brett, John? Like, fuck, it wouldn't, we don't know. It would have been, we don't know. It would have been amazing, first off, but we don't know. Or would he have ended up moving up to 93 to your point because he's 5'9", which for, um, you know, 83 is very tall. So who the frick knows? Who knows? It's it's tough, man. It's good sports talk. There's no right and wrong answer. There's no way that anyone's gonna ever know. But it is Arian. What do you think, man? I mean, I'm agreeing with these guys. It's tough to compare. And like, if you try and compare, like, I think maybe there's research or trying to compare what's the strength gains from steroids, like on average, is somewhere around. I think they say 10% is what like Greg Knuckles and Stronger by Science has done research, like finding what's out there. But then you look at their best dots and they're about eight to 10% away. So it actually is like a legit conversation on like, you know, if one was without drugs, or one was with drugs, they might be very, very similar on dots as far as their strength. Um, and then when it comes to like goat talk, I always like, you know, as other people have mentioned the podcast, like wait till the towards the end of the career or after the career. Let's see what else they do. Let's see how many more titles Taylor wins. Let's see if John goes up to any other weight classes, breaks some records and then compare. As far as like who's best, like right now in this moment, like if we had to meet right now and we can compare them, I would I would say John Hack just because, uh, as mentioned, Taylor has gone through some injuries, so Taylor's best totals from last year 
versus John's best total is from, you know, two months ago or last month, whatever like that. So right now, John's the best. Taylor has to get back up to that top, has to get over this injury, get back to 800 plus kilo total and, and show himself again. Um, and then another good thing that Jesus mentioned, I pulled up on open powerlifting, like the best dots performances, um, tested or untested. And a lot of the untested guys are all U- previous USAPL or IPF guys. Like John Hack, previous USAPL, IPF world champion. Jamal Browner was in USAPL. Blake LeHue, IPF world champion, equipped and raw. Uh, Taylor's number four, who's still on the tested side. You have, um, I'm trying to look at the rest of the names. You have Dan Green on here, came from USAPL. Malik Durstein came from USAPL. Shane Hunt came from USAPL. So all these guys were first USAPL, IPF. And there's something to it. That when they transition over, they're doing better than the guys who just go straight tested, uh, untested. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, a couple things in terms of the dots, even that doesn't work because John has or everyone on the untested has twenty four hour weigh ins in in a deadlift bar. Allow Taylor twenty four hours to cut. So let's not take him as a seventy four. Let's fucking see what Taylor does as a sixty six or a sixty seven point five on the untested side. Yeah. What is his dots going to be if Taylor goes fine? I'm cutting to 67.5. What do you think his dots would be then? You know what I'm saying? That's why this dots comparison isn't fair. And let him rehydrate with IV bags like they do in the untested. People seem to forget that in the comments. Take a look at the dots then, bro. Doesn't work. Even that doesn't work. And give him a deadlift bar. It's ridiculous what Taylor can do pulling sumo in a deadlift bar. It's stupid. I'm telling you, we'll never get to the bottom of this. It's a forever discussion. A, That's why it was so good. I know I know. Jesus gave his uh, his different fruits, but you can even compare it like different sports. We're not comparing like Jesus Tom Brady to Peyton Manning. We're not comparing Tom Brady to Peyton Manning. It's almost like you're trying to compare like Tom Brady to Michael Jordan. Or, you're, or even if you're trying to go like martial arts, you're trying to compare like Muhammad Ali to Khabib. Like, okay, who is more dominant in their section? But it's it's all subjective. Oh, wait, uh, wait what, what did you guys say that dots? I mean, John's best dots is right now? 661.5. So I just did, like, if Taylor cut down to 67 and he hit 838.5, it would give him a 646. And that's with the 24-hour win. But if you put a deadlift bar, he could yeah, probably pull a little more. So it's kind of – Hey, boy. So it might that's be natty too. That's natty. It might well. be closer than people think. <laughs> it, well, that's I don't know. If I think I think if Taylor's healthy and he could cut down a weight class with 24 hours, that would just end all the discussions because Taylor did it natty. It, it'd be, it, yeah. Oh, by oh, the way, well, Arian, you're, you're going to be fired after this podcast where you said earlier about John being number one currently, but that's fine. That's fine. Well, I I, mean, I, I I hope Jason Trombley doesn't listen to this podcast. But that's I mean, I mean, but that's not wrong either, though. It's just it's like you said, it's different sports, and like both guys are number one in what they do. Yeah. So he's just trying to he's just fighting for your job right now. You should thank if, him if, in the comments. If, if Taylor <laughs> if Taylor comes back and does you know even eight twenty plus next year, then okay, he's he's back on his game. But if he's doing this sub eight hundred, you have to say right now in this moment, it's because Taylor's injured. John Hack is is the better lifter right now. If they had to meet today. Um, but then the other interesting thing would be like, what if Taylor did take drugs and put on a bunch of muscle and then cut down the 74s, but he walks around as like an 83 or something like that. Could he total 900 plus? At looking like Russell or he shows up looking like Jack, like Russell or he, holy shit. Can you <laughs> be brolic? Be huge. 
It's insane. All right, let's play the name game, gentlemen. Um, let's belt this off real quick. We'll go back and or forth. All right, we've been talking about him. Let's let's get it off. Let's do. Let's start with Taylor Atwood. I'll start with Pablo. Pablo Taylor Atwood in two or three words. Give me your give me something back. He's like a true quarterback on a football team. He looks like a class act, like Jesus said. Carries himself very well. A good person to have in this sport for sure. I think he keeps himself accountable and then people around him accountable as well. I'd say that. Class act and accountable. That's what we'll take. All right. Hey, Zeus, in two to three words, Russell or he. I would say role model just because I've gotten to spend a lot more time traveling to Houston, having conversations with Russ and just picking his brain. And if it's one thing that I love about Russ is that he treats everyone the same because he literally gets random people from all over the world come to Corrupted just for a chance to take a picture with him. And the fact that this man takes time out of his workouts to, and, and it's very, because I pay attention to this and it's like, he'll ask on what their name is. He'll introduce himself like, oh, hey man, like I'm Russell, like they don't know who he already is. And like, he just, he's, he's, he's a role model. You know, I, I, I can say positively that I've taken, I've taken some uh, inspiration from the way he handles himself. And I think it's very noteworthy. And like, I've even applied to myself because I want people to look at me how I look at Russ when they meet him in person. You know, whether you hate him or love him, um, a lot of the people that talk bad about Russell, like, they don't know him. They just don't. They just see, like, this guy who has everything they could ever possibly dream of. And I think it happened again. Sorry again, Jesus. I apologize, my friend, but you're saying... Russ is a role model, takes time when people meet him, pretends they don't know who he is and asks them their name and is a very humble individual. And you respect how he carries himself above and beyond just being an entirely disciplined and determined athlete. Yeah, man, that's, that's pretty spot on. Um, all right. Next one. This one's for uh, Pablo. Pablo, Jesus Oliveras. Best brother. Excuse me. One of the best brothers to do this sport with. I believe any of my brothers that I could do anything with will just same dynamic, same. It's just any any of my siblings we work together. It's gonna be a fruition of positive outcomes. So, I call him. Uh, but to simplify it, uh, I'd say he's the strongest man on earth. Oh shit! Well, there there we go. Hey Zeus. Pablo Oliveras. I would say tenacious, passionate, and reliable. Pablo, Bob Matthews. He's legit. That he He's is, legit. sir. Yeah. That he is, sir. Um, Jesus, Joey Flex. Hmm. A mentor, a friend, and brother. 
Oh, shit, Brother. son. Brother. Pablo be like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> no, Pablo, Pablo, knows, Pablo knows what I mean when I it's, say that. It's yeah. spelled differently. Yeah. That, there yeah. you go. There you go. Okay, there we go. There we go. Um, Pablo, Ray Williams. I'd say it's so hard because I don't keep up with his training as much. I would just say he's a pillar of the sport. One of the strongest. Very well Motivator. done. Yeah. Props us up. And Jesus, Dan Bell. Coors Light and Florida Man. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Coors Light was John Hacks as well. And it is, he is by far, yeah. What he I should think be sponsored him. by them by this point. Dude, can you imagine? Talk about money. Um, fellas, I know you guys got a YouTube that you guys do together as well, and they got an Instagram mm-hmm. account. Um, I want you guys to tell everybody a shout out, what they can expect, where they can follow you guys on all your different social media, as well as Pablo, do you do coaching as well? I do, but I hardly promote it just because like the degree, you know how it is. Like, I would never compare myself to someone like Arian or Flex, you know. It's just the pedigree that these individuals have, you know. It's it's I'm nothing compared to to them. It's just that they put the years in. They they just have a I don't know more. They're experienced. They're like vets. They're like Jedi's kind of. No, that they are, dude. Uh, especially yeah. if you see um, Arian in the warm up room when he goes into battle handling as well. But um, all right, well, tell us everybody how they can possibly reach you uh, for coaching as well as social media. Follow you guys on, on all your different platforms. Whoever wants to go, you can go post. Uh, so for Instagram, Titanus Pobs, and then for Jesus is Mega Doc Gujira. Then we also have a YouTube called Iron Theory. Um, I think I like to I like our YouTube a lot. So if you guys can go over there and just witness a bunch of these things that y'all don't really see on Instagram. It's pretty fun. Sometimes it's like hardcore, like brolic training. And, you know, it's fun. It's fun things to watch. And then for coaching, you could just DM me. And then I guess for Jesus, hit up the Flex. Yeah, I got to go to the website. Because it's through Flexus training systems? Yes, sir. Okay. And listen, I know Sheffield doesn't announce or anything like that, but PA Nats. Your guys' YouTube is going to be phenomenal seeing you guys together once again on the platform, <coughs> training leading into it, and all that goes behind the scenes will be phenomenal. And then obviously, if Sheffield happens and it's – well, Sheffield's going to happen, but if it happens with Jesus and Ray, um, my God, your YouTube, I'm going to be all over it, Dougie, because I want to see. this is the, That'll be the big showdown, and if everything happens the way you guys want it to happen, holy smokes – I want to see the lead up. I want to see the behind the scenes discussion and all the everything, man. It'll be amazing. So, um, yeah, fellas, I appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. Apologies for my internet dropping. I don't know what the hell's going on outside. I think there's a huge storm coming in through Buffalo, though. Um, so thank you for taking your time coming on the podcast. Um, I 100% want to touch base with you guys again, leading into PA Nats, leading into possibly Sheffield, and, and, and they're on out. Good luck with training, fellas. I'm in your corner. I'm supporting. I'm a fan. Yes, sir. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. That's Thanks, good. Thanks, guys. Yes, sir. See you.